Welcome back to the Wrestling Room Podcast, episode two. We are down a man, but that's all right, because we got Brady Poplar, and once again, alongside with me, Nick Zeller-Singh, we're going to be talking about some of the big duels that went on this last week. Uh, Nick Siriano's transfer, what's going on with that, the latest news, and then ASU previewing the Wyoming Cowboy Open, and it looks like there's some uh, leaking when it came to the national uh, collegiate national duels, so... We're going to talk about that as well at the very end and how ASU will fare with that. So I just want to, before we start, Brady, how are you feeling on a Tuesday night? I'm feeling great Tuesday night. Great to talk wrestling. Let's get into it. All right. So let's start with the first duel this week or this last week. It was Ohio State against Virginia Tech. And it was a really close matchup. Ohio State versus Virginia Tech was probably the most electrifying duel yet this year as the Buckeyes took it 17 to 13, and it seemed like the largest victory was at 133 pounds, where Virginia Tech's Corbin Myers defeated Ohio State's Dylan Coots 10 to 3. Also, a couple other top 10 matchups, but the thing I love to see was former national champion and one of the very few guys to beat Zahid Valencia. Makai Lewis made his return, defeating number six ranked Ethan Smith. So it was a pretty big return for. Him, as well as Virginia Tech, but Ohio State took over. Brady, you have anything to go on with that one? I mean, yeah, Malik or Makai Lewis had a very great match winning, but it came down to that heavyweight match because it was 14-13 when the deciding match between Tate Orndoff and Nathan Traxler, and Orndoff won 3-2, to two, and it was 14-13, so whoever won this match was going to win the tournament or win the match or the duel. And Ohio State took it over, winning 17-13. And it came down to the final period, too. So it was a very interesting match and capped off an exciting match as well. Yeah, these are two teams that uh, ASU should definitely keep their eyes out for, whether it's the individual or whether it's uh, dual teams. And we'll talk about that a little more in the, uh, later on in this podcast because they are some dangerous teams. They're both top 10 teams and both have – some potential national champions on their roster. But uh, moving on to the next duel was Nebraska going up against North Carolina. And the Tar Heels were on their heels throughout the whole duel. I mean, this was more than a duel loss for the Tar Heels. This is either a wake-up call for North Carolina or the beginning of a downfall after one of their best seasons ever. Before I jump in, Brady, I just want to see what you had to think about uh, this duel. I mean, Nebraska dominated the whole night. They won 27 to six. And some of their top guys, like Austin O'Connor for North Carolina, he lost to Peyton Robb five to two. Like, that's supposed to be their best wrestler. And he loses to Robb, who is probably Nebraska's best wrestler, too. So it was probably the matchup of the night at 157. But North Carolina was supposed to be one of the top teams. And they did get an upset as. Uh, Kazim Clark beat Chad Reed and Reed was uh, the higher or lower I guess in the situation and it was three to one and I'm pretty sure it was an overtime according to this but they took a couple wins but only two out of the ten that's not very good for a team like North Carolina who's supposed to be one of the upper echelon teams and they kind of got destroyed by North or Nebraska yeah North Carolina at home was on the bad side of three upsets, including what you said, Brady, the former national champion, Austin O'Connor. 
And that is not looking good. O'Connor is, I believe, the first Tar Heel champion ever. And so to start the season off like that, he has to bounce back soon and prove that he's worth uh, making another run. But let's move on to your Hawkeyes. It was definitely an interesting duel, to say the least. It wasn't uh, – a lot of matchups were avoided. We didn't see Pat Glory against Spencer Lee at 125. A lot of things missing. But Iowa versus Princeton Brady – I'll let you take over. DeSanto looked very, very good against uh, Nick Masters. Jason Ironman looks very good. Uh, those two guys had a major and a tax fall. And then you follow that up with uh, Kobe Schieber. He gets a tax fall. Caleb Young, that was a little disappointing as he loses to Quincy Monday, 9-5. to Kind of got a little outpowered and outmatched in that one. But then you follow that up with Alex Marinelli. He gets a big win. And then Nelson Brands gets a major decision, 16-8. And then you follow that up, 84-97. They lose one at 97. But then heavyweight, Cassiope controlled the whole match, wrestled very well until he turned the dude over. And then the dude, uh, Jack Del Gribino, just flipped him over. And could Cassiope be too light now as a heavyweight? Because last year he was around 265, 270. This year he comes down, cuts, gets stronger, but also cuts about 20 pounds and is about 245-ish now. Is he too light for a heavyweight? See, this is a complicated thing because when I look at ASU, we um, ASU had Tanner Hall a couple years ago, and he was about 220-ish, 230 and he was, I think, number four or five in the country. And he had his runs, but he was quick and light on his feet. Cassiope is a bigger guy. You know, he likes to to work the head, work the neck, really beat you down. So for a guy like him, and especially if he wants to take on Schultz, who's a Greco-Roman guy, Gable Stevenson, who's, you know, borderline Hodge uh, trophy winner, like you, you got to have that weight back on. I don't think that was the smartest decision, but it's still early in the season. So time was and- and even Mason Paris, because those are the top three guys yeah. um, in the intermat, Stevenson, Paris, and Schultz, because now Cassiope's all the way to seven now after that upset loss, according to intermat. So he has to either adjust to that new weight and find a way to balance out these guys who are pushing 285, 270, because Gable Stevenson uses probably almost all of the weight limit because he's a big boy, and we'll get into him a little bit later. Because I think he'll probably repeat again. But I think he either has to maybe gain a couple more pounds or he has to adjust to these guys being 30, 40 pounds heavier than him. Yeah, if you want to play the lighter game, you're going to have to pick up on the speed and the technique. That's what you're going to have to do if you want to make it back up to that top three or four in that heavyweight class, which is probably the toughest class in the country, that or the 165 class, those two. (laughs) I think you're exactly right. He has to do something. He might have to change his style a little bit because I don't think you can be a power heavyweight at 245 right now, especially the way some of these power guys are. When are we going to see Lee? (laughs) That's a a good question. I don't know. I'll I'll have to look. Give me one second to pull the schedule, but they have Oregon State coming up soon. And then they have Iowa State, and then they have the duels, the collegiate wrestling duels. 
So do we see them or do we see them before the collegiate wrestling duels? What do you think? Well, if I could think, Oregon State doesn't have a guy at 25, so I don't think it's worth to throw him out there. It's a, it'll be an easy win for Iowa. Iowa State, Iowa, I feel like the rivalry matchup and get them tuned in for, uh, you know, the collegiate nationals. So I think Iowa State's the perfect time for Lee to make his debut for this season. I think that's also a perfect time. You get the rivalry aspect of it, and it's a good test for the collegiate duels because they get Lehigh and Central Michigan. And I think I'm not too sure who they have at 125 for Lehigh, but they have, according to Intermat, uh, Jarrett Lane, who's that for Lehigh. He's ranked number 14, so he could be a good test for him. Aid has number 21 ranked Kaisen Tariki, so and he's a freshman. So I feel like that would be a good test for Lee to get back into the swing of things. So moving on, the Sun Devils took on the Sooners. ASU was at home finally. And call me crazy, but I can see at the floor, not the ceiling, but the floor of an All-American for every wrestler from 125 to 165 on this ASU lineup. And besides Colton Schultz, who will make a run for um, gold, the ones, the spots I'm worried about are those heavier middle weights and the heavyweights. I mean, ASU is still a top five team that'll come with a title, but 74 and 84 holes are a lot larger than I thought. And Zeke's quote that you had of Cordell starting slow, it, it's worrying me. I don't know if he's the same right now. I don't know what the conditioning's like. I'm, I'm worried for Cordell. I think if Cordell can fix his conditioning and he might take some bad losses, but if he can figure it out by the collegiate duels or even after the collegiate duels and once the duels start ramping up, I think he can fix it by then. They got a lot of time to work on it until the next time they wrestle. They do have the Wyoming open so he can fix it then. And that would be a good test. And then to see where he's at after that to fix it but yeah no those holes are huge at 74 and 84 they're kind of been they turned into what did they turn into a big loss uh pin at 184 and then i believe coleman he got majored so that is 10 points that you lost at 74 and 84 so that's kind of a huge hole. That's 10 points. At least you're going to lose every time. So that's kind of scary if you get into some of these tougher teams. Yeah. When, when I mean, I think coming into this season, I'm kind of, you know, making a, a, a stupid reference right here. But coming into the season, I saw 74 and 84 kind of like a ditch, you know, but you could fill it back up with the 97 heavyweight. You know, they'd fill it up. You'd be fine. You wouldn't have to give too much. But I think that hole's getting bigger and bigger. That ditch has now turned into like a sinkhole. And it's really, you're putting a lot on that 97 and, and heavyweight and Schultz to really try to fill it up, you know, get a, get a tow truck and really fill it up. And I don't know if they have it. I don't know if they have it. It's and to be honest, I think if you, if the match is closer and we we're talking about Cordell, I think he's going to have a lot more weight on his shoulder than he needs to have in a situation where if he needs to win, he might try to do too much and cost him a match. So we'll have to see if they can kind of figure that out. And hopefully they can so Cordell doesn't have to put more pressure on him to do good. Because I think Cordell already has enough on his plate. 
and having a hole, two holes in front of him definitely doesn't help his case. Mm -hmm. But okay. going back to the 125 to 165 range, those guys are really good. Kyle Parko, he's looking very impressive at 149. Jerkory Teamer, he beat uh, Justin Thomas, who had his – he's been his kryptonite. He's been 0-2 against him, and then he kind of dominates him last Friday, I believe it was. So that was big for him to get that monkey off his back. And then Jesse Vasquez, he's just looking better and better each time he steps out on the mat. And I interviewed him, and he said that he feels like he's not even up to his full potential yet. He feels like he can get better on the top and the bottom and that his conditioning can get even better. So I, he's not even reached his potential yet, and I think he's going to have a very, very good season. Well, last thing we'll just say real quick is uh, Gable Stevenson dominated Luke Serber from Oklahoma State. And according to you, you said that he was just toying with him in the first period and then just dominated to a 20-7 to win. So Stevenson stays on top, fighting with Spencer Lee for the Hodge Trophy. But I want to move on to Nick Suriano's transfer. He hasn't chosen a school yet. We thought it was going to be today. We thought it was going to be on Tuesday, but he hasn't done it. So I have, you know, a, a bit of a starting out a cold take to a hot take. And I want to know what you think about every school I have here. So first of all, ASU, obvious choice. But is it the right choice? You know, is Suriano to stay in the desert where he's training at Sunkiss and get an immediate um, return, but he's stuck behind Courtney and McGee. So I know what you think about that. So if he comes in, I feel like, Obviously, you could probably move it around. Either keep Seriani at 25 and move Courtney to 33, and then that would mean moving McGee up to 41. Whatever it is, I don't. I like it because we get Seriano, who's going to be a for sure championship contender at whatever weight he's at. But I don't know. I like the way we are at in the lightweights for ASU right now. I like the way McGee's wrestling. And I really want to see what Vasquez could do in this lineup. But if we get Seriani, it kind of pushes Vasquez out of the lineup. And what does that do for him? Does he want to transfer? Because I'm, well, I don't think he would transfer. But it kind of just pushes him out of the lineup where he has a chance to do really well this season. Because the way he's been performing, he's kind of going on that traje trajectory. Yeah. But it would be a great addition to the lineup, but it would kind of take away some things we've been seeing out of the lineup, like Vasquez. I agree. Uh, the next two schools, Big Ten schools, it would be first, Ohio State, where he fills the lightweight void at 133, trains with Heinzelman, Sasso, and more. While, you know, we talked last week having some of the top recruits, so that'd be a good fit. Or he returns to Penn State, where he fills their 125-pound void and competes alongside RBY, for what would probably be the nastiest one-two combo in the country. So do you think either one of those could be in the factor? Going back to Penn State, because they honestly have a void at 125 right now. So that would be big for them, having him come back to Penn State. Feeling that 125, would that be on par with Lee and DeSanto for Iowa? I, I think it is. RBY is a champion, and... Uh, Suriyan is a champion. So you got two guys who I think the worst is getting second place. The worst. 
See, I think it's kind of a toss-up because I think Lee wins at 25 and RBY probably wins at 33. But I think DeSanto could have a great year this year. So I think it's it's basically kind of a toss-up of who do you prefer, Seriano or DeSanto, even though they're at 25 and 33. Because you know probably RBY is going to win and Lee's going to win at their respective weights who are kind of an opposite. So mm-hmm. it's who do you think will perform better or who do you think can get second place between Seriano and DeSanto? Okay, so the third the third option stays in Jersey but doesn't go back to Rutgers. He goes to Princeton. I think that would be huge for Princeton because then you would kind of get the same thing with Patrick Glory, who's a top wrestler at 125, and then you would just slide him in at 33, and that would be a scary one-two combo for a Princeton team who is pretty good, decent, but not great, but that could – elevate their lineup into a scarier team and really dominate their own division. And the last one, he's talked about his future in acting, talked about MMA. So he takes his talents, not to South Beach, but to California, transfers to Stanford with the new coach, Rob Cool, assistant coach, Vincenzo Joseph, and then wrestles alongside Real Woods. So Stanford. I think that would probably be like one of the better options for him personally, because then he can set up NIL deals and do future stuff. It would future his career and MMA and stuff like that. And it would honestly put a little bit of fear in my PAC 12 eyes with ASU. Like what kind of impact would that be? How much better would that make a Stanford team who's competing for the PAC 12? I don't think it does too much to beat ASU or puts any too much fear in the ASU, but I feel that or Penn State or even Ohio State is probably the better option for him. I definitely agree. I don't know if ASU would be the right fit, even though it, it kind of seems like he's leaning that way. But, you know, sticking to ASU, let's preview this upcoming Wyoming Cowboy Open. It's going to have a, a handful of schools there. It's, uh, it's Utah Valley, Wyoming, Chadrian State, and ASU. And so – I want to know which wrestlers should we be watching out for, at least from the ASU perspective? I think we talked about 25 through 65. All those guys are ranked at the highest of the projected lineups. So I think all those guys should win. And then you have Colton Schultz. He should win at heavyweight. But then at 197, Cordell Norfleet is ranked second as Stephen Buchanan is ranked higher than him. So that'll be a big test for North Fleet as he's coming in as the second ranked wrestler. Can he upset Buchanan and get his confidence up and fix his conditioning? Like this is big for North Fleet as it's a huge test for him early on in the season. I agree. I think North Fleet is the safe option here. I think whoever's thrown out at 74 also, because I got nothing against Josh Nummer at 84, but we know what we're going to get out of him. Whether they throw out Kyle or they throw out Zane Corman, I want to see how either wrestler can fare in that 74 against slightly weaker competition. See, in case, you know, we get into a into a, a barn burner with two unranked guys at 74, can we can we expect three points from the Coleman? Um, but let's see. Moving on, National Duels Pool. This just came out um, not too long ago. So quickly, the participants – 
ASU, Cornell, Iowa, Missouri, Northern Iowa, Penn State, Central Michigan, Hofstra, Lehigh, North Carolina State, Binghampton, and Virginia Tech. And, and I got all the matchups too, so I'll get straight into that. So you and I, Cornell and Penn State is in pool one of blue. Pool two of blue is Hofstra, Virginia Tech, and Arizona State. Going to the red pool is Lehigh, Central Michigan, and Iowa. Then the other pool is Binghamton University, Missouri, and North Carolina State. So those are the pool matchups. Yeah, I think we should go through every single one, say who gets one, two, three, and then we do that little college football playoff with the top four and see how that goes, if that sounds good with you. That sounds great to me. So my number one in that, uh, the red or the blue region between Penn State, Cornell, and you and I, I think Penn State wins it. And then after that, I think Cornell and you and I, it goes like that. So it goes Penn State, Cornell, then you and I. That's my prediction. What's yours? Um, I got to agree with you right there. I think Northern Illinois fields a good team, but overall Cornell has some guys that can get some bonus points, and I think they could survive um, getting second place in that, in that bracket. Going think- on to the other blue side, Virginia Tech, Hofstra, and ASU. I would have ASU in a close one against Virginia Tech. I think they barely pull it out, but they take first place. Virginia Tech takes a close second and Hofstra loses just because they're probably the third best team out of three teams and they kind of get a bad matchup getting Virginia Tech and ASU. Yeah, I'm looking at what Stat has predicted. They say ASU 23 to 14. Um, let's see where they have ASU losing here. So they got Corbin Myers at 133 over Mikhail McGee by decision. Um, Pretty even when it comes to common opponents and all that. Uh, they got Jesse Vasquez over uh, Virginia Tech's Colin Girardi. Let's see. Where else does Virginia Tech? They take Virginia Tech over whoever they throw at 174 as well as 184. So it's really it's really 33 McGee's going to get beaten and then the two holes once again. But I do like ASU at one. Virginia Tech at two, and uh, Hofstra at three. I do think McGee can make a run for Myers in that, but I do think Myers is the better wrestler, so I think he takes him there. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking so looking at the red pool, number one, it's uh, Iowa, Lehigh, Central Michigan, and Iowa's obviously the, the sure-handed favorite, so you got to put them at one, but – I feel bad for Lehigh because I think if Lehigh was in any one of these other brackets, they could be a underdog team that can make some damage. So I, I have them taking second, unfortunately, but they are going to be a dangerous second and then Central Michigan taking third. I would also agree with you. I think they are probably one of the better teams in this tournament that's not like the blue blood like Iowa, Penn State or ASU, Virginia Tech. But they're the higher echelon of that like middle tier team that's in this. And according to WrestleStat, they do lose to Iowa 36 to 3. But I have a very good feeling that they could beat Central Michigan and maybe like beat them by a good amount. So I would agree with you. Iowa, Lehigh, Central Michigan is the order I have. Now, the last one is Binghampton University. 
North Carolina State and Missouri. And Binghamton University is going to be coming in last. They're probably going to come in last for the whole tournament. They just they can't feel the same, you know, superstar talent because every one of these teams have at least one guy where you're like, wow, this guy can make a run for a title. Binghamton doesn't really have that. But I think this is the bracket where it's like Missouri, North Carolina State. Like, who's winning that duel? I, I, I want to say North Carolina State. I think they – I know Missouri's a better duel team, but I like North Carolina State in these matchups. So, in North Carolina State, Missouri on WrestleStat, they have NC State winning 17-15 to 15 in a close one. Ooh. And it does come like 285, it's 17 to 12 coming into that match. And Missouri's wrestler wins in a minor decision, three point win. So it's going to be a close one coming down to the wire for the whole match. So any like made minor swings, like if you can turn a minor decision into a major, it's going to be very impactful, especially in a duel like this, because this is. Missouri and NC State is probably one of the bigger matchups. That and Virginia Tech ASU in who's going to win. So I, I, I would say NC State barely pulls it out like WrestleStat has, but I think it could go either way. It's kind of a flip of the coin in my mind. Well, we'll keep it with NC State for now. So we're, gonna, we're not going to do the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, but we'll just go straight to the, the top four. So you got Iowa against North Carolina State and ASU against Penn State. So going back into the playoff here, we got, we're going to start with the top. We're going to start with the red. Uh, ASU versus Penn State. We're going to go through every single one because I think this one's the tight matchup, and this one will be a lot. So 125, who do we have again? Baylor Shunk against Brandon Courtney. We give Courtney, what, three points here? I think he probably gets a major. So I think he gets a four-point victory here. All right, so 4-0 ASU. And then we look at RBY against McHill McGee. I'm, I, they did not face off. RBY faced off against the former 133, which is Josh Kramer, uh, when he was still here at ASU. I think McGee's a little better, but I still got to give RBY the uh, major because RBY's gotten better since then. I would also agree with that. I was kind of leaning between a, ma- a major and a minor. But I'm kind of leaning toward a major, but barely a major, but still a major 4-4 going into 141. 141, that's tough. That's Nick Lee. That's the number one guy against Kyle Parko. I got to give Lee. It's actually Vasquez. Oh, Vasquez. My bad. Lee Lee against Vasquez. I got to give Lee probably another major. Yes, but I also feel like Vasquez can make it close. But I feel like Lee is just a better wrestler. I would say another major. Yeah, Lee is probably their most fundamental guy. He's not the most flashy, but he is going to get the job done. Going to 149, Bo Bartlett, freshman, started hot, but he's going against Kyle Parko. Who's been very hot for ASU, and I think he beats Bartlett and probably gets a major. I don't know about the major. Bartlett is no scrub. That is very true. I just feel like Parco, if he has a good weekend, he could really turn it on. Maybe not a major, but a very high minor win. I'm going to give him the decision. 
Just because I run the podcast. <laughs> I agree. I, I agree with it. I could see a major happening, though. Uh, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but uh, 57, Terrell Barclou against um, Ja'Cory Teamer. Teamer is obviously the much better guy. I'm going to give Teamer – I'm going to give Teamer just a decision, though. I will also go with just a decision. So moving on to 65, Edsel Creighton. Edsel Creighton. Let's see where he's ranked right now. If According to this, number 40 in the country. Yeah, I don't see it. He's honorable mention going against Anthony Valencia, who's eighth. I'm going to give Anthony a major. I will agree with you. I think he also takes a major. So we move to 74, Carter Starocki against, we'll say, Zane Coleman. And Starocki's one of the best in the country. I'm going to give him the tech fall. I will also agree with that. I think he techs him. And so moving on, Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks has been one of the guys who have been making a run for a title. And he's going against number. I'm going to give him a pin. I will also agree with you in a pin. What is the score going into 97? So we have 1914 have Penn State, Max Dean, who is ranked. Let's see where he's ranked in the country. He's second. Cordell Norfleet, eight. So Norfleet, this is Norfleet has been in some of these type of matches, including when they last faced off of Penn, against Penn State. Um you know, he's he knows what it's like to be in these matches. Is he good enough to do it, though? This is tough. I like Cordell. I'll, I'll let you choose first. I want to hear what you have to say. So I'm trying to go back to see if these two wrestled against each other. Did they face off in 2019? Not that I can recall. I'm going to look it up online, see if these two have ever faced off just in general. Uh, let's see. So looking at the two, they the prediction can't get any closer. They say Max Dean eight to seven. These guys are literally neck on neck. God, I'm. I, I would say Cornell pulls it out, depending on how he does in the Wyoming Open. If he wins the Wyoming Open, I think he beats him. I think he beats Max Dean. But if he has a bad Wyoming Open, I think Max Dean beats him. You know what, so gonna, I'll if, say he will beat him, but so it'll be close. Him, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So it's 17-19 coming into the final match where you have, according to Flow, 3v4. Colton, who's third, against Kirk Fleet, who's fourth. And I don't believe these guys have ever faced off. They might have. Let me check. Um. It's again, it's toss ups. It's you know, they know. actually had faced off in the NCAA tournament where Colton Schultz beat him 14 to 8. Okay, Colton has yet to really lose to someone twice, so I, I like Colton's odds here. Colton actually beat him. I don't know if you heard me. Colton won, yes, yeah. I like his well, odds because I don't think he, yeah, he's never that. Uh, what I meant is that. When he's beaten someone, I don't think he's ever lost to them, if that made sense. Yes. He's never gone one one. I think Colton pulls it out. Like I said, he beat him 14-8 in the NCAA tournament last year. I believe he knocked – he didn't knock out Kerr Fleet, but he pushed him to, I think, the seventh place match. 
if I recall correct, or maybe a fifth place match, but that doesn't matter. But I think Colton Schultz ends up winning it. It'll be a close one. I don't think it'll be as high scoring as it was 14 to eight, but I think Schultz wins it in a decision. So WrestleStat, if these two do face off, they have it Penn State over ASU 22-16. We have it 20-19 ASU. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Even though we have it 20-19 ASU, I still kind of like Penn State's odds. I do like Penn State odds, and I do think they do probably win. I think 197 does probably go Penn State's way, so that I think pushes it to probably – a 17 to 22 win yeah 22 so we'll say 22 17 penn state they move on and nothing against north carolina state but i'm going to give iowa the win i will also give iowa the win and then you got iowa versus penn state 1v2 it's it, i believe they are they are going to face off this year just you know um big so 10 yes they will face off they will be facing off and those always pack the house. And I believe this would pack as well. January 28th, Penn State, Iowa at Iowa. Oh, man. I, I don't see. This one is a neutral site. So I think Iowa at home, Iowa is definite. But at a neutral site, Penn State just came off a big win against ASU. Ah, but they have question marks. I'm going to stick with Iowa. I will also give it to Iowa. I think they're the better team, and they have just a fuller roster. I think the key match of this is 133 and 141 between Bravo Young and DeSanto, and then Ironman versus Lee, because in the Big Ten Championships last year, Ironman won, but then in the NCAA tournament, Lee beat Ironman. So Ironman took the Big Ten first place, but then he took second, losing to Lee, so they kind of flip-flopped. So that, that'll be a big match at 141. That will be. And I'm going up to the third, fourth. I think I'm going to take ASU over North Carolina State. I think it's close, but I will also agree with you. I think they come off maybe a disappointment where they could beat Penn State, and then I think they finally get over that hump and beat NC State. So one through five, just because – I'll say it once again. One, Iowa. Two, Penn State. Three, ASU. Four, North Carolina State. And I think we both can agree that five would probably be Lehigh coming out of this. Maybe Missouri, too. Or but, Virginia Tech. We or Virginia Tech. So, so there is a lot of options, actually, now that you look at it. Uh, there, that, that's a whole different, you know, 30-minute discussion. But Iowa, uh, Penn State, ASU, North Carolina State are our top four for it i don't know maybe it changes what next week we might have to talk about it next week and see or even the week before the college yeah tour, even so. the week before so that it's oh man this is going to be good i wish there was a way to really watch it but and another big one is the midlands championship i think that's more of an individual tournament mm-hmm. but there's a bunch of teams there which iowa being one of them <laughs> We've gotten a lot done in this uh, this second week podcast. There's been a lot. There's a lot more to come as well. There'll be some more duels, uh, invitationals, you know, more updates on ASU, obviously. But I, where will Serrano end up? 
Yes, we don't know where Soriano is going to end up. That could be next week. It could be next month. It could be next year. I know we put in our two cents, and that's all we can say. But uh, for Brady Poplar, I'm Nick Zeller-Singh. This was the second episode of The Wrestling Room, and I hope y'all enjoyed.